You're listening to the Triple P Parenting Podcast from 612 ABC Brisbane. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash Brisbane. Children who are born today are called digital natives. They'll grow up surrounded by technology that their parents may still struggle with. My daughter uh, is nearly perfect on a, uh, a pad device. I find it shockingly embarrassing. Uh, she's able to use it. It's intuitive. She knows exactly how it works. How do you manage technology in your home? My solution to deal with her is not give her one. But how do you encourage your children to play outside and not be looking at a screen forever? We know there are genuine links between screen time and obesity, diabetes, uh, and, and, and impaired learning, believe it or not, particularly if they're very young. Well, my guest is Alan Ralph from the Triple P Parenting Program, and that's not what people want to hear. Alan, we love technology. We love gadgets. Please don't tell me it mightn't be perfect. <laughs> Morning, Steve. Morning to you. What does the research tell us about screen time on children? Well, it's still being gathered because uh, the things are changing so rapidly, but certainly more research is being done. And, it, and it, as you say, there are, there are issues to do with getting kids being active. There are issues to do with them doing other things and getting balance in their lives. So these are some of the things that are starting to emerge. I interviewed a guy many years ago called Dr. R.X. Sigmund, who was a psych from the US living and working in the UK. He pointed out that that um, a lot of screen time on the very young brain, the very young mind, was detrimental because it slowed down nerve-ending growth in the brain, you know, because of blood flow. And, you know, it, it feels relaxing because it is relaxing. It, just looking at screen devices actually physically relaxes your body's neurons, apparently. It's, I was quite shocked. Yeah, I guess there's a, we have to look at the differences between things like TV, which are essentially a passive activity, and screen time in front of a computer where the kids may be actually very active in terms of manipulating what's on the screen, responding to it. And so we need to be a bit cautious about generalising research that was done on TV screens yes. to c- current computer activity. Yeah, fair comment. Uh, my daughter is uh, intuitively uh, knows how to use a pad device. Um, I don't, and it's quite shocking as a parent when you realise that all of a sudden a four-year-old is sharper mm. than, a, than, a, than, a, than a 50-year-old. Well, my two-year-old granddaughter can, is playing games on her mother's iPhone and things she can do on that are just amazing. So are attention spans getting shorter because of technology? Yeah, that's hard to say. I mean, there is some evidence that kids' attention spans are getting uh, shorter, but there's also some evidence to show that they're able to multitask better than we used to be able to do. Pretty, so I don't pretty think, flimsy evidence it, well, as far as I know. Yes, it is. Um, so I think we have to be careful not to kind of dismiss it all and to look for what are the positives we can... Because this, this technology is here to stay. I mean, it's not simple enough to say, oh, well, don't use it or don't... don't it, you can't. It, it's taking over our lives. And, and in order for us to be able to interact, we need to understand it. And so we need to look at it and say, okay, what are the good things about this that we can take from? And what are the things we need to restrict and manage? And that's the challenge for most parents. My guest is, is Alan Ralph from Triple P Parenting. These devices are designed to be intuitive. They're designed, you know, deliberately to be natural uh, to the human psyche and the, and the way the human mind works. And when kids get hold of them, they just love them. It's almost like they're hooked into them. Um, how does a parent get the attention of their child when the child is in the zone with the device? Yeah, I think one of the key things is that parents need to set some rules about usage. 
uh, when they can use it, how often they can use it, what they can use it for. This often means that the parents have to be fairly vigilant in terms of monitoring this, and that, that's a challenge, but it's something that parents are going to have to think about if they're serious about wanting to make sure that kids use the devices uh, for things that are appropriate, that assist their learning, that assist their development, but don't use them for purposes that might put them at risk. They're asking for mobile phones when they're pretty young. So mm. When's a good time to introduce them? <laughs> That's a really difficult question. Obviously, there are issues to do with cost, um, to do with... Um... But I'm a parent. I don't really care about cost. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I He guess says tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> it, it depends on what you want your kids to be able to do. If you, if you value uh, talking and communication and you want to keep that skill going as long as possible well don't give your child a mobile phone if they don't need it if your child um, is going away from home is of an age when they're becoming more independent and it's useful for them to be able to contact you whenever and wherever then the mobile phone is a very valuable tool for a child you're way too reasonable Alan (laughs) (laughs) all right so it depends on what your needs are yeah and also I think just because you give a child a mobile phone doesn't mean they've got it 24 7 um, you may say you can take the mobile phone when you go to your friends, but when you come home, you put it in this box and you don't have it again. So this is what I mean by managing it and setting rules in place so that kids are in, in, introduced to this in a gradual way. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. In my mind, for everything we do, concentration is everything. You know, Whether it means that I can focus on what you're telling me or whether it means I can focus on what I'm reading or simply carrying out an act. Uh, and if uh, attention span are getting shorter, that's essentially saying concentration ability is diminishing. Cumulatively, all these things, I assume, add up. So it's screen time with TV, then a bit of time on the, you know, the gaming console, then a bit of time on the pad device. All of a sudden, all of these things start to mount up, and it's pretty hard for a parent to regulate or keep a track of it because it's happening in multiple areas, whether the parent's there or not. Yes, it is. I mean, I think there are different levels of concentration, though. I mean, we know, as you've said, you can have a kid in front of a, a pad or a device working on a game that engages them for long periods of time. Um, or you can just have them flicking from one thing to another, flicking channels on a TV, flicking channels on a radio station, and they're not concentrating at the same level of intensity um, and that's what I guess, I guess I meant when I was talking about multitasking. Okay. We do, we are able to not do two things at once, really, but to be able to differentiate across the multiple tasks quite quickly. But we still need the skill of being able to concentrate fully on a task that in, that requires a lot more of our cognitive abilities. See, I, I'm, I'm being a bit mischievous because I keep hearing this thing that young people are able to multitask, and the evidence is starting to show this. But whenever you talk with a police officer at a crime scene, they'll say that's absolute bunk. You, in a, you know, they, they're seeing an increase in texting and accidents. You know, supposedly this is the generation that can multitask. Well, they multitask their way into accidents really well. Absolutely. I mean, we do need to be careful what we mean when we're talking about multitasking. Um, I mean, there's the old joke that you know men can only do one thing at once, and, and women can do more than one. Um, but I mean, we Which drive blatant gender <laughs> stereotyping, Alan Ralph, and don't you let it go. But we we can drive on automatic um, a lot of the time. You know, how many people have, how many of us have had the experience? We've been driving home, and we suddenly think, oh, how did I get here? I don't remember the last ten minutes. Right. Okay. Yet we've managed to perform a complex skill of driving a motor vehicle without any problems whatsoever. It's when our attention is um, taken away to a point that that then impacts on our other skills. And some of these 
devices require a considerable amount of, of attention, gaming. Of motor activity, absolutely. In, in particular, gaming more yeah. than anything, isn't it? Yeah, and you, and you certainly would not be able to do anything else if you were engaged in that kind of an activity. I mean, one of the things that parents often struggle with now is, should I let my child um, listen to music and watch TV while they're doing their homework? Mm. Well, for some things, yes. For other things, no. Because it depends how much cognitive... Uh, allocation they need to a particular task. Some things you don't need a lot. Some need, some you need an awful lot. Gaming's powerful too, isn't it? Because it's sort of re- it's stimulus reward, stimulus reward. You, you know, the event of the game's taking place. You shoot something, blow something up. You know, you ski down some mythical, you know, yes. computer generated ski slope, uh, and it, and you that's where the reward is. So you get almost you're getting continual adrenaline rushes. Although if you're doing that, you're not doing a physical activity to deal with the adrenaline that you're getting. That's true, and I think gaming is one of the areas of risk that is overlooked because it can be very addictive, and I've heard, I've heard parents talking to me that you know, some of their children are spending almost every hour, um, even late into the night, into these kind of addictive games, and it's really having a severe impact on their education ability, their physical skills, and a whole range of things. All right, so the one, two, three, the three best points that parents can use to, to deal with it or manage it or control it. Well, the first thing is you've got to talk to your kids. I mean, often our kids know more about these devices than we do, so let them educate you. So you've got to talk to them about what they're doing and keep that communication open. The second thing is to put some rules in place about what they can use, when they can use it, and for what purpose. And the third one is to talk to other parents, find out what's going on, so you're not at the mercy of what your child's telling you. You need to get informed from other sources. Alan Ralph, thanks very much for coming in once again. Pleasure, Steve. Alan Ralph from Triple P Parenting Programme. You've been listening to the Triple P Parenting Podcast from 612 ABC Brisbane. For more information, visit abc.net.au slash Brisbane.